सहनावतु सहनावु भनतु सहवीर्यं करवावहै तेजस्विनावधीतमस्तु विद्विषावहै ओम शान्ति 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 In the 16th chapter, Lord Krishna is uh, giving us a vivid, vivid description of the thinking process of the state of mind, of the actions, and the effect that the actions have on the part of the, what we call the people endowed with the demoniac tendencies or hurtful tendencies. So some people are born with predominance of these negative tendencies. And what they do is being described here. The purpose of describing, as we said earlier, is not so much to brand some other people as possessed of this, but that each one of us has some of these traits in some measure or the other. And we should identify them within ourselves and be ready to diffuse them, remove them, eliminate them, because all these tendencies are hurting our own self, which will be clarified further also. Continuing the description, so it was said earlier, the process of thinking of these people, <clears throat> because of greed, idamasti, this is what I have today, bhavishyati, this much I will gain, this much I gain today, this much I will gain in future, this is what I have now, this is what I will have in future. This is all their mind is thinking about. In that process, they have to eliminate competitors. This enemy is destroyed by me today. Rest, all other fellows also, who are nothing but wretched fellows, I will destroy them again. And that way, I am the great Lord, I am the greatest, I have all the means of enjoyment, I am most successful, I am almighty, I am very mighty. Also, I am high born, I am born in noble family, I am possessed of all my friends and supporters, who is there equal to me in strength and prestige and greatness? At my will, I will perform Vedic rituals, I will give charity, I'll enjoy things. In this manner, idi agnyana vimohitaha, thus diversely deluded, meaning that they make themselves believe that they are successful, that they are happy. There is a denial. Very often we simply block some of our, many of our feelings, we deny the realities because it is necessary to delude ourselves. Self-delusion, deluding our own self in believing that everything is alright. To avoid confronting sometimes our own problems, our own feelings, 
we deny them as though they do not exist and conversely make ourselves believe that I'm all right, I'm successful. Siddhosmi, I'm Siddha, I'm successful, I'm happy, I'm powerful, I'm mighty, there's nobody like me. It is not a reality, this is what they think. It's not a reality. The reason why a person is thinking like that is because it is not so. If this was really the case, then you don't have to believe this. But he constantly reminds himself, there is nobody like me. There is a need on his part to believe that Konyosti Sadrushomaya, who is there in this world equal to me? And I can do anything that I want because I am successful, I am mighty, I am powerful. I have taken care of all my competitors and enemies. I can do anything. This is how a person needs to believe to feel good about himself. <clears throat> Ultimately, everybody has to feel good about themselves. And if I cannot feel good about myself on account of what the reality is, I will deny the reality and create a new reality in my own mind and believe that that is true. This is called moha, <coughs> self-delusion, deluding myself. <coughs> so you can see how a great deal of self-denial is going on. A person cannot face himself. <coughs> when constantly I am violating the values, in effect I am violating myself, and constantly creating conflicts in my own self. And thus, constantly creating a sense of dissatisfaction and dislike for my own self. Then to believe that I am alright, I must create a delusion for myself. That this is how the world is. Everybody is like that, Swamiji. I must believe that. Swamiji, there is no, no honesty anywhere. Nobody can go ahead with honesty. There is no truth anywhere. Everybody is like that. Everybody, everywhere there is corruption. Everybody, there, everywhere there is... This is what they have to believe. To be able to accept themselves. Not that I am not the only one, Swamiji. I am not the only one who does it. Everybody does it. I am not the only one who lies. Everybody lies. Everybody is aggressive. Everybody is angry. Who is not angry? Who is not greedy? Who is not that? And this is how I make believe that I am alright. That there is nobody, I am no different from others. I am no worse than others. In fact, I am better than others. <clears throat> when I make myself believe that, there is no scope of correction, understand? The scope of improvement or correction is there only if I accept the realities. If there is some honesty about myself, only honest people can grow. Person can grow, otherwise a dishonest person cannot grow. And dishonesty begins with my own self. I am not honest to myself. 
And because I do not accept the realities about myself, and I delude myself, I cheat myself by believing that I'm all right, no problem. <clears throat> so, so this person comes in, Swami, how are you? Everything, Swami, no problem. Swami, that's a problem. No problem is a problem. There's no problem means there's definitely some denial going on there, you know, because uh, unwillingness to accept that something needs to be done. Unwillingness to accept that I also need to change. Unwillingness to accept. <clears throat> and so Lord Krishna continues the description further in the 16th verse. Aneka chitta vibhrantaha Mohajala samavrutaha Prasaktah kama bhogeshu Patanti narakeshu chau Aneka chitta vibhrantaha Bewildered with numerous thoughts going on, the mind is so active. Thoughts are just, you know, I mean, uh, rushing in the mind. And bewildered by all kinds of thoughts going on. Mohajala samavrutaha, caught in the net of delusion, self-delusion. Caught in the net of self-delusion with a mind restless with so much thought, you have to stone that mind. You have to somehow do something with that mind. And therefore you find that with this kind of people, there are going to be vices. That all kinds of vices are going to be there because when you cannot face your mind, you have to quieten the mind. And mind will not be quiet. And therefore you have to do something. Take some substances to, to not quieten it, but to make it dull, to stone it. Somehow keep yourself busy in enjoyments so that pasaktaha kama bhogeshu engrossed only in the material pleasures. <coughs> because they are incapable of enjoying any other pleasure. They have lost the vitality of the mind. They have lost the sensitivity to be able to enjoy anything that is of aesthetic value such as classical music is impossible. Nature, nothing they can enjoy because enjoying those things which God has provided requires a certain, uh, certain equanimity of mind, some tranquility of mind is required to enjoy those things. That's not there. Only thing they can enjoy is which does not require any tranquility, any sophistication because the mind has become so gross there are only gross things they can enjoy, and they were prasaktaha, kao, bhogeshu, engrossed only in the, in the enjoyment of material pleasures. <clears throat> that is again a way of further deluding one's own self, keeping the mind busy with something or the other so that one does not have to face the mind. That's how so many holics are there. Alcoholic is one kind of a thing. Workaholic, another kind, some kind of holic. Just keep yourself busy so that you do not have to face yourself. That's all. If there is some work, fine, become workaholic. 
or alcoholic or over, you know, there are all kinds of uh, support groups are there. Uh, alcoholic Anonymous, Overspenders Anonymous, Overweight Anonymous, I don't know, things of that sort, all kinds of Anonymous is there. Because Swamiji, I'm not eat, I'm eating my nervousness. People, they, they keep shopping. How, what else will you do? There's nothing that you can enjoy. The mind is just not available to do anything that is worthwhile. So, this kind of superfluous activities just keep themselves busy and get a false satisfaction. Oh, how much I have, you know. Stuff the place with all kinds of things. Whether you load your credit card, whether it is done with uh, credit or debit or, or, or debt, I don't know, whatever. Meaning that people have no control over themselves, simply driven by their passions, one way or the other. Prasaktaha kama bhageshu, driven by different kinds of passions, only engrossed in fulfilling their urges and impulses. Patanti narakeshu chau. Now Lord Krishna tells us about the law of karma. How one is accountable for what one does. And when we violate, we get violated also. They fall into foul hell. Naraka, naraka means hell. That concept is there, I guess, in all, all cultures. <coughs> Swarga and naraka. Heaven and hell. So these concepts are there in Vedas also, in, in, in the Vedic culture, very much there. And there are descriptions of different kinds of hells, by the way. And you must listen to Garudu Purana, some of these Puranas, and you will know what sort of hells there are. And what can happen to a person after death. That is what they sometimes, after the death of a person, they call a Brahmin and make him read Garudu Purana for seven days. And people who are alive, they listen to that. And they are so scared. Because of what all you have to go through, that Purana describes what all happens to you when you go to hell. <clears throat> yeah, I think every, every hell is less described in the same way. Everybody describes it, whether it is Christianity or Islam, or everybody will describe hell in that way. <clears throat> the only difference here is, there is no eternal hell and no eternal heaven. Hell also is the result of the karma, and heaven also is a result of a karma. A predominance of virtuous actions brings the pleasures of heaven. And a predominance of vicious actions brings what we call the experience of hell. So you do believe in heaven and hell. Are there such places really? I don't know. Since the Puranas describe, I guess they must be. But it is not important whether such places are there or not. All that is meant is law of cause and effect. As you sow, so you reap. The good begets good, and evil begets evil. Meaning that if I live a life of virtue and follow the order, follow the, the moral code of conduct, another, then I'm going to be. I'm. It is conducive to my own self, my own growth the purity of my mind, and that will bring our happiness. Inasmuch as happiness is purely a result of the state of mind. More 
my mind is pure, happier I am, without I have any means of happiness or not. People are so much concerned about accumulating the means of happiness that they do not pay attention to another important fact that not only we need the means of happiness, we also need the capacity to enjoy happiness. It is not enough that I have food. I need the capacity to enjoy that food. All peanuts are there in front of me, but I have no teeth. What am I going to do with that? <laughs> when I had teeth, I had no peanuts. Now that I have peanuts, I have no teeth. Because in the process of earning peanuts, he lost his teeth. In the process of earning peanuts, he lost his teeth. In the process of earning means of happiness, if I lose myself, when I compromise the values, I'm violating myself, and I'm losing the tranquility of my mind, then I'm losing the capacity to enjoy those things. So, one thing should be very clear to us, which we will repeat, which I say often, to become wealthy, I require wealth, to become powerful, I require power. To become famous, I require fame. To become happy, what do I require? I just require a mind that enjoys tranquility. Nothing more than that. <clears throat> if I have that, because happiness is only the nature of self. Nothing else has happiness in it. Self which is consciousness, alone is happy, no inner thing can have happiness. And happiness which is myself becomes evident to me the extent to which my mind enjoys purity. Like a clear pool of water. Clearer it is, more clearly we can see the bottom. And so also clearer that my mind is, more evident becomes the happiness which is my own nature. <clears throat> so for being happy, all I require is a mind enjoying clarity. For being unhappy, all I require is my mind which is impure. I don't need the world to be unhappy also, remember. To be happy also I don't need anybody other than myself. To be unhappy also I do not need anybody other than myself. I'm enough. The whole world can try to make me happy, but I'm enough to make myself miserable. <clears throat> And the whole world can try to make me miserable. I'm enough to remain happy. Understand this. Because happiness is a function directly proportional to the, the purity and clarity of the mind. Unhappiness, on the other hand, is a function of the impurity of the mind. What is impurity? This demoniac tendency. What is purity? The divine tendencies. So, what is important in our life is to really accumulate the inner wealth, the divine wealth. Our priority should be in accumulation of the inner wealth. That's the whole lesson you have to learn from this description. Because more wealthier you are, in terms of your divine tendency, happier you are. More successful you are. Happy in a happiness, 
Freedom, success, all of these mean the same thing. And that is directly proportional to the divine tendency, the inner wealth which you accumulated. <coughs> Unhappiness, on the other hand, is directly proportional to the preponderance of the demoniac tendencies. <coughs> and therefore, whether there is heaven or not, or hell or not, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we are accountable for what we do. And if we thus live a life of virtue, it has got to bring you happiness, whether in some realm or here. Some people say heaven and hell are all here. Whatever you want to believe. All that is important to know is that there is, there is a law. There is a fairness. The judgment is not going to after a million years when somebody will come and then judge. judge right here. Meaning that you do something good, immediately you get the effect. You may get it in future also, but the effect, the result of doing something good is immediate. When you even go out of your way to help somebody, there is immediately a sense of inner satisfaction. But satisfaction of having done something good. When you can control your impulse and, and do what is right or say what is truth, you have a satisfaction that I have done something right. Therefore, the result of following the values of virtue, number one is immediate satisfaction, at the same time it accumulates for you what we call punya or the virtue in presence, present as well as in future. <clears throat> On the other hand, whenever I violate a value right away, I feel bad, I know that I have done something wrong and therefore there is unhappiness and in future also. And the problem is that. And the problem or solution, whatever you call it. But when we deliberately do good, it creates also a tendency to do good again. On the other hand, when I deliberately violate a value, it creates a tendency to violate. Therefore, when we do something repeatedly, the tendency also becomes stronger. And that is why repeatedly and deliberately when we do good, it creates the tendency to do good. <coughs> Here on the other hand, those people who have constantly violated the values, violated themselves, and thus accumulated a lot of papa or the vicious result, patanti narakeshucha, they fall into unholy or impure hell. Whether hell is a place or not, it means misery. Meaning that they are inviting for themselves nothing but misery or suffering in the mind. Thus, I am in fact creating my own destiny. It's up to me to create a destiny in terms of happiness for me or misery for me. These people, by conducting themselves in a manner described so far, have created hell for their own self, whether hell is a place or whether it is a state of mind, but that the suffering is what is created. <coughs> there is a further description of these people. Atma Sambhavita Stabdhaha Dhanamana Madanvita 
यजन्ते नाम यज्ञैस्ते दंभेना विधि पूर्वकम Somebody said, Swamiji, but these people are found to perform great things, you know. They perform all kinds of rituals and big things they do. Wouldn't they then go to heaven? So just because a person performs rituals externally doesn't mean that it is necessarily a virtuous action. Atma sambhavita, self-conceited, meaning that they think that I am endowed with all virtues. That's what they, he thinks. Atmasandha. He thinks that he is the most virtuous person. Not other people think. He thinks. Atmasambhavita. Stabdaha. Very haughty. <coughs> Meaning that people who never bend down to anybody. Dhanamana madanvitaha. Filled with pride and intoxication of wealth. So wealth and all this power makes a person intoxicated, meaning that he cannot see the reality as it is. Yajante, Nama Yajnaiste, in case these people perform charitable actions, they perform religious actions, they perform rituals, if they are found to perform that, Nama Yajnaiste, it is merely in name. Because basically they don't have Shraddha. They don't believe in God, they don't believe in anything like that. They just do it to feel, to, to just make a show that I am a good person, I am a virtuous person. <clears throat> That's all. So his satisfaction comes by declaring his virtue rather than being a virtuous person. And so he's happy. He makes a big show. Yajante, Nama Yajna iste. Nama Yajna means that Yajna or ritual which is only in name, not in substance. Dambhena. That is only meant to declare his great religiosity. Avidhi purvakam. And there also they do not bother about the stipulations. Kauke Panditji finished in 45 minutes. This is, they, they give a, you know, they, they invite Pandits all right and make a big thing about it. But they are not interested. Therefore, they want to finish it off. Half an hour. 45 minutes. Wedding ceremony also. The Panditji stood. Forty-five minutes is all you have for, for wedding, which is going to last for the whole life. And then they want three hours for their parting. Afterwards, it's not that people go home, they don't have time. They stay. Then all kinds of sessions are going on. That includes drinking and dancing. All things goes until midnight. They have hours together for that. But when it comes ritual, 45 minutes, 30 minutes. No time. So, avidhi purvakam. They don't care for any stipulation. They don't have any shraddha. And so, it is not out of shraddha or the faith that they are doing it. Not out of devotion that they are doing it. Simply to make a show. That's all. And therefore, they are not interested. He won't be even around sometimes, you know. People organize big things, he's busy with something else, people are, the pandits are doing it, and nobody is interested anyway. Usually in India, they do all kinds of rituals, nobody is interested. People are all invited, they just come for a feast, that's all it is. Generally speaking, they all, they all show up a little before the feast time, before arati, for knowing that after arati there is going to be a feast, that's all. In the temples also, there are big crowds. 
But 12.30 is the lunch time. By 12.15 the whole temple is full. At 10 o'clock when the ritual begins, there are five people. The, mostly the president is there and trustee is there and somebody who sponsored the ritual. Five people are there. They start. Slowly then they add up one by one by one by one. And by about 12 o'clock then there is crowd. By 12.15 the whole place is full when Aarti is there. After that, it's all a business of socialization. Swami, we want to build a temple for our children as though they don't need anything, you know. These temples are all built for their children. We are all liberated. We don't need anything. <laughs> it's amazing. The ignorance that the Hindus have about the religion is abominable. There is nobody in the world who is as ignorant about the religion, about the tradition as Hindus are. And most misunderstanding, most critical, without any knowledge, everybody is very clever and smart in criticizing. With no knowledge, no investigation, never look into anything, whether, you know, what I am talking about has any basis or not, what I am criticizing is, is valid or nothing. That's all. And happy. This is Swami, our religion is like that. So we need not follow it. We need not do it because it's not worth it. This is how the so-called Hindus are, you know. But anyway, and so in the temple, they just, they just come when there is time for lunch. And if there is no food, nobody shows up also. Which functionally successful when there is rights that, you know, in a flyer you must declare that dinner follows, lunch follows, snack follows, this follows, and you must write it in bold. Then it will draw attention of people, then they'll come. <coughs> And then you can have satisfaction of counting heads, you know, that yes, we are so many people who came and went and so forth. This is how people are, you know. And so, yajante nama yagneste dambena avidi purvakam. Just to show off that we go to temple. This is socializing, nothing else. In the, in the while eating the lunch, there is no talk of what went on in ritual or in the discourse, nothing at all. It's altogether a different thing. There's no connection. Dambena, Aviri Purvakam, no stipulations. What is all? Most criticism is of rituals. The Hinduism is all rituals. Because it takes time, that's all, you know. You want to finish it off? So that dinner can come early. These rituals are so long, that you know, you to wait so long. <clears throat> and youngsters also always criticize rituals. This Hinduism means rituals. But they don't mind the rituals in terms of six-course dinner, you know, that's a big ritual. A dinner can take two hours, that is no problem. This ritual in the temple takes one hour so long, finish it off. When you go for shopping, that's a ritual. That can take three hours to select a suit and select some cloth and select this material and that paint and this thing and this, this shade. It can take any amount of investigation, everything is fine, that's not a ritual. This is a ritual. And so, uh, well, everybody has their own priority as to what is important, what is not important. But the thing is, this is not a description of somebody else, by the way. You know, we, we, we satisfied that this is all Lord Krishna is describing some fellows. But as I said, we may need to look at our own self and see what part of these things are in us also. <clears throat> I'm not saying that you have to like rituals. What I'm, all I'm saying is, what are the priorities? Swamiji, I am retired, you know, what is this, all rituals are given up everything. That's good, what are you doing, watching TV? 
So you give up this thing, then what do you want? People they renounce. I'm a renunci, I renounce all things, all the chores. Well, then what are you doing? Watching movies and stuff like that. So it is not a matter of what you give up, it's also important as to what you take up, you know. <clears throat> and so the description continues here. Ahankaram balam darpam Kamam krodham cha samshritaha Mamatma paradeheshu Pradvishanta obhyasuyakaha Samshritaha they have resorted to, they have surrendered to ahankaram, pride, balam. Balam means the strength. But strength coming from what? Strength coming from lust and anger, that kind of strength. Darpam, arrogance, kamam, desire and lust, krodham, anger, so these are the predominant, this is the demoniac tendency, these are the they have resorted to this. In fact, they are controlled by this. It's not that they have resorted to this, these tendencies control them. <coughs> as a result, as Lord Krishna said earlier, their actions are going to be violent actions, it's going to hurt others and going to hurt themselves. So Lord Krishna says, Mama Atma Paradeheshu, Lord Krishna says, I am the self of all. Ultimately, Narayana Lord is the self of everybody, whether divine or demoniac. God is the self of everybody. And so, when I hurt somebody, ultimately I am hurting the self, which is none other than Ishvara. So, Maam Pradvishantaha. They are always uh, inimical to me. <coughs> despise me, Lord Krishna says. They despise me, that is Ishvara. Despise Dharma. They despise everything that brings about a restriction, that's all. Basic problem is what? That any restriction you place, there is, a re there is always a, uh, a reaction. And dharma always places restriction. Dharma means doing what is right. So to do what I what is right is not always what I like. What I like and what is right are very often not the same. Therefore, for doing what is right, I must subdue my impulse of what I like. And that is the problem. I do not want to subdue my impulse. I want to do what my impulse tells me to do. That is called freedom. So usually freedom is interpreted as the license to do what I want. That's freedom. And I do not want any kind of restriction there. So dharma or values always bring restriction. Swamiji, from now on, no sugar for you, no sweet for you. Now that's a restriction. My impulse is to put a gulab jamu in my mouth right away. That's the impulse. 
And now this doctor tells me, forget it, I won't believe in this medicine, that's it, you know. I'll delude myself somehow, how can I justify eating that stuff? I must deny. No, I have no problem, either that, or I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take a walk and, and digest it somehow. Or I think, I think the lab must have made a mistake, you know, these results are not right. You have to see on the dining tables, when the wife says to us, no, not for you, you have to see that anger, you know, I say, because he wants sweet and she says, no, no rice, That's, you know, poor fellow, he, he, he's so helpless. You see on the dining table sometimes, when Swami also is sitting there and food is being served, and this poor husband, he wants a sweet, she will not give him, he wants rice, there's no rice for you. No white rice, if you want to take this brown rice, and not this, not that. You see the helplessness? Then anger inside also, which will come out in some other way, you know. So, everybody f looks for their own opportunity to control others. So here, she has an opportunity, she controls, he'll find his opportunity to her, whatever, that's all going on. But, this is... But doing what is right requires to subdue my impulse of what I like more often than not. More often than not, what is right is not what I like. As a Swamiji, what you like is no good for you. That's a general rule. You like pizza, no good for you. Swami, look at the cholesterol level. Pizza, no good for you. This is no good. Nothing is good for me. <coughs> only khakra you can eat, chapati without ghee, that's all you can eat. And only boiled vegetables. That's, that is good for me, which I, I absolutely dislike. <laughs> this is our food but for everything. Because we like spicy things everywhere, and spices are no good for us. What is bland is healthy for us, and bland things we don't like. Spicy music, everything spicy. Even fiction also spicy fiction. Spicy music, spicy TV shows, Spicy movies, spicy friends, everything spicy. I think they're too bland. Sattvic is too bland. So rajas and tamas. So that is the impulse. To do what is right, these impulses have to be controlled, and they don't want that. Therefore, they will, re they will revolt against whoever puts that rule. If you think Ishwara has made this rule, forget him. Did they despise Ishwara also, despise any rule, despise any dharma? Therefore, pradvishmam pradvishantaha. Lord Krishna said they despise me. And ultimately they hurt me also because when they perform these violent actions, they hurt other people and I am the self of the person. And they hurt themselves also, I am their self also. Mam atma paradeshu pradvishantaha. I who is the self of others and their own self, they are despising me, hurting me. Abhyasvekaha, envious by nature, always finding fault. Somebody asked a question, don't they have gurus? Don't they have somebody to guide them? Provided they respect anybody. And so, no they don't. In fact, uh, whenever they find anybody following a life of virtue, they get, they get, they react. So this is all dhamma, Swami. This is all show business. You know, when they see, find somebody who is doing something good, they think this is all show. This is all uh, hypocrisy. 
meaning that they are bent upon finding fault where there is virtue. And they, 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 they delude themselves in believing that there is no virtue anywhere. <clears throat> so this is the worst of the demoniac people. None of us is like this anyway. Uh, but then, these kind of demons are, were there even in the time of Lord Krishna. Uh, they were always there. Like Hiranyakashipu. You, last night, you know, Hiranyaksha. You heard those names? Children were deciding, you know, Hiranyakashipu. Poor fellow doesn't know it's a big, a big name, you know, to, to tell the child, you know. So this Varsavar is Nrusimha, Nrusimha. That is also difficult, you know. Half man, half land. What did you do? Hiranyakashipu did something. <laughs> Bore, what they do? Hiranyaksha, you know, difficult names. But all this, they, they, they stand, if you look at their description, this is exactly what you will find. Whether the Ravana, Kumbhakarana, Hiranyakasibu, Hiranyaksha, Kamsa, whatever. Even in those times also, the demons were always there. <coughs> and they are there at all the times. But we need not derive satisfaction that this is description of those fellows only. As I said, some of it applies to us also. It is meant for us to look at our own self and see whether we can bring about corrections to help ourselves. <coughs> but the law of karma catches up with everybody. Because it is not one lifetime, it's a continuity of life. Otherwise, if this is the only lifetime, so Those fellows says, once the body is turned to ashes, who comes back? What happens? What, have you seen anybody coming back from heaven? It's all, it's all humbug. Heaven is humbug. Hell is humbug. All Pitraloka humbug. Punya is humbug. Everything is humbug. Because you don't see that. The thing is, there is Punya Papa. The virtue and vice are, are subtle things. You, you, there is no proof about them. It's, all this is a belief system, really. Whether there was a previous birth and there is a next birth, it's a matter of belief. It is logical, it's reasonable, but still it is a belief. That there is law of karma, that there is an order in this universe, it's a matter of belief. Where is order? Where is God? If God is there, then why did he do this? Why is this fellow hungry? Why, you know, there are millions of questions you can ask and justify. Where is God? There is no God. There is no dharma. There is no order. What previous birth? Have you seen anybody? Has anybody come truly that I was born such and such? Where is next verse? This is it. This is all you have. So hurry up. Don't waste time. Enjoy as much as you can. Accumulate what you can in the limited time that you have. One lifespan is a miserable concept really. If you are a good person then of course you will use a life very well. But otherwise most people they think that this is all we have. Make marry. What is it? Uh, uh, make hay when it sun shines or whatever, you know. <clears throat> so this is how they hurry up in their life to accumulate as much as they can and enjoy as much as they can. In that process, hurt. <clears throat> so what happens to them? The Lord Krishna says in 19th verse, Tanaham dvishatah kruran Samsareshu naradhaman Kshipamya jasrama shubhan Asurishveva yonishu 
this Krura and this cruel people, Dvishataha, always uh, Sadhu Dveshinaha, the people who are hostile always to good people. These people are going to be hostile to Sadhus. Sadhus means any good people. They cannot stand. You see, sometimes uh, you yourself may experience if they come to know that you are guru, going to Gurukulam or studying Bhagavad Gita or Vedanta, they just react. They cannot stand this thing. What is it? What Swami is that? Oh, I see. He must have cast some spell on you. What is he doing there? What did he teach you there? You know something? What are these Gurukula, all these meant for? What are these Swamis doing? Other than collecting donation, what are they doing? In five minutes, whatever you gain in one week, in five minutes they can wipe out from your mind, you know. They cannot tolerate anything good, you know, because the only way to justify what they are doing or not doing is to condemn anything that is good going on anywhere. <coughs> Dvishata, always angry, always resentful. Kruran, very cruel. Naradhaman, the vilest of the human beings. Lord Krishna says, what do I do? What do I do? means, what does the law of karma do? Kshipami ajasram, forever. Ashubhan, asuru sheva yonishu. I dispatch them repeatedly into life of transmigration, repeated birth and death into the Asuri wombs, meaning that they devolve in this evolution as far as we are concerned. This all this preoccupation with the evolution stuff, you know. Again, unless this business evolution is because they only accept one birth, that's all. If you recognize that in fact there is repeated birth, and the person can evolve or devolve also depending upon how you conduct yourself. This is no, some people like to believe that Swami, once you are born a human being, you will be born only as a human being. There is no such guarantee. As a human being, if you conduct yourself as a human being, you will be born as a human being. You conduct yourself as a God, you will be born as a God. And if you conduct yourself as a devil, you will be born as a devil also. That is why so many species are there. God has created 8.4 million species because so many kinds of actions human being is capable of performing that he has to create so many kinds of species where we can, you know, we can exhaust different kinds, results of different kinds of karma that we perform. And so, I throw them, meaning that the law of karma throws them into this kind of demoniac wombs or demoniac species. <coughs> Then what happens to them? Asurim yonima pannaha Mudha janmani janmani Mama prapyaiva kaunteya Tato Having attained this kind of the asuric or demoniac species or wombs, they further devolve every birth, yanti adhamam gatim, and they gain a gati or a destination that is even lower than what they had. Meaning that the accumulation of the vices, they keep on 
throwing them further and further lower into the evolution. <coughs> so understand that evolution is not merely of the organism, but more important is spiritual evolution. As far as the organism is concerned, it all takes place by natural selection, okay? The body may grow by natural selection, but the spirit doesn't, spirit doesn't work on natural selection. It based, it, it, it must have right selection. So there is not only evolution of this gross body, more important is evolution of spirit. And evolution of the soul, which transmigrates from one gross body to other. And depending upon how we conduct ourselves, whether we evolve or devolve, that choice we have to make. And they are these demoniac people who are controlled by those tendencies, who, in, who consistently make wrong choices, consistently hurt themselves. And that's how they devolve. How long will it take again to come up to the human birth, we do not know. In short, it is possible for the human being to hurt himself, or help himself, and that's the lesson that you take, that if we are not careful, we can hurt ourselves. <clears throat> so say long description of these demoniac people, and so many things are described. Swamiji, how many tendencies are there, and what shall we, how do we deal with so many demoniac tendencies? So in the verse 21, Lord Krishna summarizes all of them into three tendencies. So verse 21. Trividham narakasyedam Dwaram nashanam atmanaha Kamah krodas tatha lobaha Tasmade tatrayam tyajed Idam trividam narakasya dwaram. This threefold gate is the gateway to hell. What is it? Kamaha, Krodaha, Tatha Lobaha. All the demoniac tendencies are now reduced to three that we can understand. Kamaha, Krodaha, Lobaha. What is Kama? Kama is the tendency to indulge. Kama is, can be translated as a desire, but a desire itself is not so much damaging. But when a desire grows to a point, when I am controlled by my desire, Kama is not just desire, but a strong desire which makes me helpless, meaning that the desire arises and I am obliged to fulfill the desire. That is what is called Kama, a binding desire. As long as I can manage my desire, it's okay. But when the desire is so strong that I cannot manage the desire, I am managed by my desire. This is called karma. So a desire that is binding desire or desire that is that manages me, <clears throat> which results into krodha, anger. Whenever such a desire is not fulfilled, then it results into anger. It is a frustration and anger either at someone whom I look upon as the obstacle to fulfilling my desire. If I blame somebody else for the lack of fulfillment of my desire, then I blame that person, I get angry at that person or whoever it is. Or 
if I blame myself for full, lack of fulfilling desire, I blame myself and become frustrated at myself. So anger expressed outward or anger expressed myself, both are anger. <clears throat> no Swamiji, I, I do not get angry. No, you get frustrated. Sometimes some people have a tendency to blame others for everything that happens to them, they blame others, they get angry at others. There are some fellows who keep on blaming themselves for everything. And they blame themselves and they get frustrated and I'm unhappy with themselves. In any case, anger brings about unhappiness. <clears throat> but anger, as we said earlier, is invariably the result of karma or a desire. Stronger the desire, stronger is the possibility of anger. No, but Swamiji, if desire gets fulfilled, then there is no anger. That is good. Then what happens? Lobaha. If desire gets fulfilled, then it becomes stronger, that's all. If by fulfilling a desire, I get pleasure, then my mind wants more of it. Because what my mind wants is endless. If you ask yourself, how much pleasure do you want? How much happiness do you want? If you dwell upon that, the answer will be, I want boundless happiness. That's what we want. We want boundless happiness. We don't want any small happiness. How long do you want to be happy? All the time. If I had my way, I don't want a minute of unhappiness. All the time happiness. Where do you want to be happy? Everywhere. At all the places, at all the times, and all the conditions, I want boundless happiness. This is what we want. Now look at these poor objects of the world. They can give a little bit happiness at a time. Like a man who is hungry, you give him a little bit, he becomes hungrier. That's what they say. If fellow is very hungry, give a little food that only uh, incites more hunger. And so also, all that the sense gratification, the pleasure that can give me is limited. And therefore, I'm not satiated. In fact, my desire for pleasure becomes stronger. So we find that desires as they are fulfilled give rise to more desires because... I am never satisfied with what I have because my want is limitlessness. Therefore, a desire fulfilled gives rise to loba or greed, and desires unfulfilled give rise to krodha or anger. So both greed as well as anger are the results of kama or desire. So kama, krodha, tasaloba. In fact, Lord Krishna has three, but they are one. Kama alone becomes krodha and karma alone becomes lobha. But how do we know that karma is there? When anger arises, we must know that desires are there. When greed arises, we should know that desire is there. This is Narakasiddhwaram. Lord Krishna says, this is the great way to hell, meaning that this is cause of all our suffering. <coughs> all this sorrow or suffering in a life can be traced to karma, Krodha and Loha. In the world also, all the miseries that is there in the world, a common complaint, Swamiji, why there is so much suffering and pain in the world? There is a cause is Kama, Krodha and Loha. You find a fourth cause and tell me. All the corruption that we find, all the dishonesty we find, even the highest circles of money as well as power and everywhere, is because of loga, because of greed, meaning that 
डिससेटिस्फैक्शन विथ वॉट वन हैज न तर्प न वित्ते न तर्पणियों मनुष्य है बाय वेल्थ और नेम फेम और पावर नो बड़ी कैन बी सेटिस्फाइड मो यू गेट मो यू वॉन्ट दैट्स अमेजिंग अमेजिंग एरिस्मेटिक और एलजीब्रा ऑफ दिस वेल्थ यूजली वेन यू गेट मोर यू वॉन्ट लेस बट हियर मो यू गेट मो यू वॉन्ट अर्थ मनर्थम शंकराचार्य अर्थ मनर्थम भाव नित्यम अर्थ मीन्स वेल्थ एंड अर्थ ऑल्सो मीन्स दैट विच यूजफुल बट अर्थ इज अनर्थम ऑल दिस वेल्थ एटसेट्रा इफ यू डिपेंड अपॉन दैम इफ यू लुक अपॉन दैम एज द मीन्स ऑफ सक्सेस एंड हैपीनेस यू विल बींग ऑल अनर्थ आर ऑल ऑल ओनली सफरिंग सो देवर ऑल करप्शन एंड इज ऑनेस्टी इज ड्यू टू लोभा और ग्रीड एनीवेयर अदरवाइज वाई इज ऑल दिस बिग पीपल हु आर बिलियोनेट्स and why do they have to embezzle and swindle we don't know nothing but greed not satisfied with, i don't know what will they do with that money already 3 billion dollars are there you know he is already a house which is 75 million dollars he has a boat which is 2 million dollars he has a car which is i don't know how many 100000 dollars what is it he has how many cars and how many boats what are you going to do with that how many things will he eat His freezer is 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 loaded for six months, and refrigerator is loaded for five months, and this is loaded. And then, how much? What what a big stomach you have! How many cars will you ride together anyway? And how many boats will you ride? There are six houses, three houses on the beach, and one house is there. And how many? Where will you live? That's all satisfaction that I possess this. By the time you possess this, is incapable of enjoying anything, you know. by the time he has lost all his vitality and but the satisfaction of this possession this all lobha all the cruelty in the world is out of krodha anger and all violations of of this all this respect that we show to others is due to kama or lust so lust anger and greed these are the causes for all the misery in the world nothing else god has not created this we have created the misery is created by human being by submitting himself to kama krodha or lobha you can blame god of course that god has created this world and created misery but look at the history of any misery anywhere any suffering by any living being not only human beings whether there are forests there are animals wherever any suffering is there the source will be kama krodha or loba in a human being whether every minute one acre of rain forest is being destroyed or what are all kind of statistics are there nothing but greed on part of somebody every day so many people are blasted and bombed and killed all krodha anger so people are raped kama lust so this is all all the crime that is being done anywhere can be traced to kama krodha that's why lord krishna said in the third chapter kamaesha krodesha rajoguna samudbhavah mahashano mahapapma vidhyenameh vairanam mahashana Its hunger is insatiable, 
more you try to satiate this karma, krodha, lova, more demanding they become. Each one of them is like fire. Mahapapma, all the papa, all the sins, or all the violations are due to this. Vidhyanam hevairanam, here you're going to understand that this is your enemy number one. <coughs> it is that enemy that you have to conquer for which all this discussion is. Nashanam atmanaha. Lord Krishna says the self-ruining. Whenever we submit ourselves to either karma or krodha or loba, we are only bringing about our own ruin. Tasmat etat trem tajet. Therefore, here Arjuna, give up these three. Then all other rest, all demoniac tendencies will be given up when we give up these three, kama, krodha and loba. <coughs> Suppose I give them up, what will happen? Next verse tells us that. Etair vimuktah kaunteya Tamodvarai stribhir naraha Acharatyatmana shreyaha Tatoyati parangatim He kaunteya etahi vimuktaha one is free from this three-way gateway to hell, Atmanaha, Shreyaha, Acharati, then he strives for the good of his own self. It is this three which deny us. Even an attempt of our own good, when we are controlled by this three, all we do is just hurt ourselves, ruin ourselves. Therefore, to help ourselves it is important that we get rid of this, then alone a person can help him strive for good of his own self. Tato yati param gadim. As a result, he attains the highest end. To evolve spiritually and attain really the goal of our life is important that we get rid of these three enemies, Kama, Krodha and Loka. So Swami, that you did not tell us, how do we do this? What do I do? When Kama arises in me, when there is a desire, when there is an impulse to indulge, what do I do? When there is anger, what do I do? When there is greed, what do I do? With these questions, these three kinds of people went to the Creator. A story is being told in the Upanishad that with these questions, three progenies of Prajapati, the gods, the demons, and the humans, gods who live in the heavens, where they have all kinds of pleasure, all possible indulgence, that is God. The demons who live in the nether worlds, always fighting and characterized by cruelty. And humans who live on this earth, always greedy. So gods, demons, so devata, dhanava, manava, gods, demons and humans. These are the three children of the Creator. Once upon a time, these three sent their representatives to Prajapati. And after some time, Prajapati called them. Said, what for have you come here? Sir, please give us some instruction for our day-to-day life. So first, Prajapati addressed the Devadas. He called them. What's the instruction? The. 
One letter is being told, da. Do you follow what I said? Yes, sir. You said da. What does it mean? Damyata. Control yourself. Because devutas in their life, all there is indulgence. Well, plenty. When there is affluence and things are available easily, there is a tendency to indulge. When we did not have anything in India, very little, where will you indulge? If hungry, that's all, you can eat some khakara. And that's all, you know, when you come home from school, all you eat is the leftover rice or something like that, that's all. Next morning also, a rice that is soaked in, in buttermilk or something, or whatever. Here when you come home, you open the refrigerator, wow, so many sandwiches and so, so many things are there. It's for no reason that there is so much obesity, I mean, so much food is there. So many children are just, you know, because they are a vending machine, they just get this coke and then this Frito-Lay and this and then, even while talking also, you must do something. While talking, walking, something must be done. You cannot just walk. You must hear something, chew something, I don't know. There is no peace of mind. Something has to happen every, all the time. So while talking also, they keep, uh, you know, filling their mouth with fritole and then and, and gulping it with coke or something, and then, then put on the weight. <clears throat> because heavens means indulgence. Therefore they were told, damyata, self-control. Meaning control yourself. Make sure that you enjoy food and food does not enjoy you. Meaning that you can have the pleasures in your life but always with self-control. There must be limit in every kind of pleasure. In television, a limit. Reading novels, limit. Eating gulab jambu, limits. Eating pizza, limits. Anything, whether it's clothes, cars, whatever. Always draw your boundaries. This much, even then the mind says, I want more, put a stop. <clears throat> Swamiji, thank you, I have put a limit, 25 gulab jambus, you know. No, not that kind of limit. <laughs> the limit is keeping in mind my own well-being. Ultimately, everything is done for our happiness. And so, what is conducive to my health? What is conducive to my physical health, my emotional health, my spiritual health, keeping all of those in mind, draw the boundaries, decide the priorities. And whenever the mind shows the tendency to indulge, we control the tendency to indulge, called karma, by dhamma or by self-control. So control of self or discipline it is called. It is not called suppression. It is called discipline. When we do it deliberately, with a value, with an understanding, it is called discipline. If you do it helplessly, it is called suppression. If you don't get it, your friend is eating it, and you don't get it, I don't want it. That's a different thing. I don't want because I can't have it anyway. Not suppression, but a self-imposed discipline because I have value. A value for self-control. A value for my mental health, my physical health. That is why Dhamma, self-control. Then the demons were called. They were also given instruction. The, that means they are Dham, have they are. Wherever anger arises, diffuse it by they or compassion. Remind yourself, when the anger arises, remind your mind. Come on mind, have they are, have compassion. Be kind to that person.
No, nobody deserves it. He has done this. Hit him. That's what the mind says. And you tell the mind, no, no, that's all right. Be kind to that person. He has done that, okay. But the fellow is helpless. He has done it out of his own impulses. He does not, cannot control what he does. Behind his aggressive and insulting behavior, he is a, he is a very helpless fellow. Be kind to him. Two-step approach. When somebody hurts you, somebody does something which is hurting to you or which makes you angry, don't retaliate right away. Step back. And instead of responding to the behavior, respond to the person behind the behavior. Behavior is hurting. But person behind behavior is hurt. You see, behind a person who is aggressive or angry or otherwise unpleasant is a person who is himself in pain or hurt or helpless. So make yourself see the helplessness of that person. That's how the sympathy will be aroused and you will be able to display kindness to that person. This anger is diffused by kindness. How does kindness come? Kindness comes by making ourselves see deliberately the person behind the behavior. <coughs> then human beings were called, they also were given the same, the. What is it? Datta. Because human mind is characterized by greed, never satisfied with what it has. And never part with what is two things. Greed has two aspects. Accumulating more and more because I am not satisfied with what I have and not part with anything. I want to hold on to it because I feel very insecure. <coughs> Therefore, Prajapati here, the Datta. Be charitable, be generous. Whenever your mind says, I want to hold on to it, give it to those who are deserving. So the, the and the. Dhamma, daya, danam. Or in English, see, see, see. See, control of the self to, to control indulgence. See is compassion to control the anger. See is charity to control the greed. Kamaha, Krodaha, Lobha. Indulgence, anger, greed. Control, compassion, charity. Or Dhamma, Daya, Dhanam. One letter. So make it so simple. Just remember one letter. Either in, Sans either in Sanskrit or English. Either the or C. And every day, remind yourself and follow it. Because submitting ourselves to either Kama or Krodha or low-wise ruining our own self. Therefore, the way to help ourselves is by deliberately having self-discipline, having kindness and being charitable. Acharati, Atmanashreya. That's how then a person in fact strives for his own good. Tatoyati param gatim. Those fellow go to adhamam gatim. They go to the lower and lower birth. This fellow goes to higher and higher. He evolves into a higher and higher levels. <coughs> of course, for this, you have to follow what is right and not what you like. That's what Lord Krishna says next. Yashastrividimutsrujya. 
वर्तते कामकारतः नसिधिमवाप्नोति न सुखम न पराम गतिम ये शास्त्र मुत्सृज्य कास्टिंग अवे द इंजंक्शन ऑफ स्क्रिप्चर्स हियर लॉर्ड कृष्णा ट्रेडिशनली सेज दैट व्हाट इज द सोर्स ऑफ नॉलेज फॉर डिसाइडिंग इन लाइफ व्हाट इज राइट एंड व्हाट इज रॉन्ग सेज दैट डू नॉट सिंपली फॉलो द फैंसीज ऑफ योर माइंड ईश्वरा हैज गिवन अस बुद्धि और इंटेलेक्ट एंड वी हैव द फ्री विल द फ्रीडम ऑफ चॉइस एंड दर in every situation we have to make a choice choice can be either helping me or hurting me in making those choices what is important is we do what is right which may not always be what we like vartate kamakaratah the person who always does what he likes knowing fully well that is doing something wrong but shastra nutsrajya casting away the vidhi or the injunction of scriptures scriptures means script call them scriptures call them learned people you know call them our own conscience casting away and they simply follow their own impulses nasa siddhiyo aapnoti nasukham na param gatim he does not gain siddhi success in this life nor he gains happiness so there is no maturity no happiness nothing for a person who simply follows the fences does what they like see understand what is today's education it looks like today's education is do what you like don't listen to anybody do what you want don't get influenced by others don't simply follow others do what your mind says that's all which is good is good to do what my mind says provided what my mind says is right so therefore it is not enough that i do what i la- what my mind says but my mind should say what is right and for that education is very important we have to subject, you have to we have to expose ourselves to a teaching to know what the basic rules are there are some realities in life and our life should follow those realities and that is what vedanta teaches us what are the realities of life <clears throat> the reality is that you are what you want to be you already are limitless you don't have to become limitless you are happiness you don't have to acquire happiness so life need not become a process of acquiring and accumulating instead life should meaning life should not be a process of consumption life should rather become a process of contribution this is what vedanta teaches if on the other hand we follow the consumption process we are only ruining ourselves life should become a process of contribution that is the flow that's the rule in life that is the reality of life that everywhere there is contribution human being is only fellow consumes whereas everything else contributes so this basic reality that taught by by the scriptures we should learn them and accordingly set our priorities or values then we help ourselves on the other hand because of why the disregard of the scriptures 
or disrespect to the scriptures and too much regard to one's own thinking, too much regard to one's own intellect and wisdom, is quite possible that people may follow what the fences say, in which case they waste the opportunity that a human embodiment brings to them. They, the life is meant to be a process of gaining maturity, which is a result which brings about happiness, which will bring about the ultimate goal in our life. None of that is accomplished if we cast away the teaching of the scriptures and simply follow our fancies. And therefore, the last verse says, Tasmat Shastram Pramanam Te Karya Karya Vyavasthita Jnatva Shastra Vidhanoktam Karma Kartumihar Hasi Tasmat Karya Karya Vyavasthita in deciding what is karyam, what should be done, what is akaryam, what should not be done. That's all. All, every situation we have to make a choice. What to do and what not to do. What to do which will be beneficial to me. What to avoid which will be hurtful to me. This is the choice we have to make in every situation. For that, shastram pramanam te, here, you know, Shastra or scripture should become your guideline, not your fancy. Kamakartha, not your vasanas, not your fancies, not your tendencies, not your figment of imagination that should govern your life. It is the, by scriptures we mean, as we said just earlier, that what scriptures such as Vedanta does, is simply tells us what are the realities of life. What are the basic rules of life? You should know those rules. Just as before driving on the road, you should know what are the rules of driving. Before doing anything, we should know the rules. Before traveling by aeroplane, you should know what the rules are. You reach the airport one hour before the departure time. Rule. In a small airport. I followed that rule going to San Francisco. Just so sorry. But there the rule is, reach there one and a half, two hours before. They stop checking your thing 45 before departure time. <laughs> you, know, you must know the rules, otherwise you'll come home. And in doing anything, we should know the rules. In living life, we should know the rules. In fact, when you buy a small little machine or a gadget, there is always an operating manual that comes with it. And you better follow the operating manual, or you mess up the whole thing. And see, similarly also, there is an operating manual for life. I don't know how people live their life without any operating manual, just do things, that's all. No, Swami, everybody does it, so what? That's not the uh, criterion. Like the sheep also follow, one behind the other. If the leading sheep falls into the pit, the following fellow also falls into the pit and jumps back. Never think that it can avoid the pit. And simply, therefore, just because other people do, is not the criterion. Criterion is what is right and what is wrong. There is something right and something wrong in our life. And that we learn from Shastra, from scriptures, from Vedanta. <coughs> the way Arjuna, in making decisions or choices, 
about what should be done, what is not to be done, let Shastra, the scriptural teaching from a competent source, let that be your guideline. Jnatva Shastra Vidhanoktam Yes, Swami, I have studied Bhagavad Gita, I have studied everything. <coughs> That's the first step. Jnatva Shastra Vidhanoktam First of all, understanding what the scriptures teach us. Karma kartum yaharhasi. Then you should, you, you should perform those things, you know. First we should know what is right, and then we should do what is right. <coughs> Sometimes we are very clever in knowing things. <coughs> but what we know should also translate itself in our life. So, so Lord Krishna says, Jnatva Shastra Vidhanuktam. First of all, knowing, understanding what the scriptures teach. What Bhagavad Gita teaches. That is absolutely necessary for everybody. No, no, Swamiji will do it. This is too young for Bhagavad Gita. We'll do it when we retire. That's what people in India think. People in India think that all these men were retired people who are good for nothing else. That's all. When you cannot do anything else, until then you live your life. When you're no good, then study Bhagavad Gita. As though Bhagavad Gita has nothing to do with life. But Arjuna was not a retired person. He was a very active person. Lord Krishna also was not retired. Nobody was retired. It is actually a Shastra. It is a science or it is a teaching meant for living life. Upanishads, all this is meant for living life, not meant for retirement. You, live, you messed up the life, after retirement you won't read, you only doze off. You think that, you know, people come here. And what can they do? What, what can you understand from this? And even if you understand, what will you do? After understanding, it requires understand to change things. God gave me serenity to accept gracefully what I cannot change. Give me strength, courage to change what I can. That change I can myself, that's all I can change. What is required is change myself. I have to bring about a transformation in myself. That requires strength. In the old age, we hardly have any control. Even in young age, we don't have much control. What to talk of old age? No control over the mind. No control over senses. What can you do? So don't wait. Don't wait for retirement and thinking that we'll do it that time. Like in India, people think that at the time of death, I will say, Narayana, Narayana, I'll go to heaven. That doesn't work. Meaning, if the whole life you say, Narayana, hopefully it will occur to you at the time of death. <coughs> Therefore, tasmad jnatva shastra vidhanoktam karma kartam yahara say. Therefore, knowing what the shastra says, then you should put that into practice, Arjuna, and that is how you help yourself because human being has a responsibility. Having created the human embodiment, God has done his job. Other living beings have no responsibility, but human being is given responsibility to help himself. <coughs> so we have to take responsibility in our life because unfortunately, if we do not help ourselves, we hurt ourselves. There are only two choices. That being the case, to stay away from hurting ourselves, to help ourselves, it is necessary that we must study, we must know, and we must put it into practice. That is the 
teaching of the 16th chapter of the Gita. <coughs> Let us read the last sentence here. Om Tatsada It is Srimad Bhagavad Gita Su Upanishad Su Brahma Vidyaya Yoga Shastra Shri Krishna Arjuna Samvade Daiva Sura Sampad Vibhaga Yoga Nama Shura Shodhyaya In this manner, Srimad Bhagavad Gita so in the Bhagavad Gita Brahma with Upanishad so which are in fact nothing but Upanishad that is the to Upanishad means the Brahma Vidya or the self-knowledge. So Bhagavad Gita which expounds self-knowledge Brahma Vidyayam Yoga Shastra that's what Upanishads do. They teach us the Brahma Vidya the knowledge of the self and Yoga the means of gaining that knowledge. Shri Krishna Arjuna Samvade which is the nature of the samvada, the dialogue between Lord Krishna and Arjuna. Deva Sura Sampad Vibhaga Yogonama Shodasodhyaya, the 16th chapter of which the subject matter is the Deva Asura Sampad Vibhaga, a division or in a, a separation of Devi Sampad, Asuri Sampad, the divine traits, the demoniac traits, which are the main subject of the 16th chapter. That chapter is just completed so that we can identify both kind of tendencies. We deliberately cultivate the divine and simultaneously also subdue the, the demoniac tendencies so that we grow in maturity and we prepare ourselves for the happiness here as well as always. <coughs> Sarva dharman parityajya Mamekam Sharanam Raja Ahantva Sarva Papebhya Moksha Yishyami Mashuchaha Hari Om Purnamadaf Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashakrutau Vande Bhagavanta Punapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyomavat Vyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Namaha Hari Om